Well, if you have your Bible, once you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, and as you already heard, we're starting a brand new sermon series today called Heavenly Places. Whenever you think of heavenly places, what comes to your mind? What comes to your mind when you just hear heavenly places? Well, it's a series dealing with the unseen spiritual realm. How many of you know there is an unseen spiritual realm? And in Ephesians chapter 6, and in verse 12, it says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Heavenly places. The phrase heavenly places is used several times in the New Testament And I think it's used five times just right here in the book of Ephesians. Heavenly places is translated from the Greek word eparnerius, something like that. I can't speak English, much less Greek, but something like that, right? But it means the sphere of spiritual activities, the sphere of spiritual activities. In other words, heavenly places means the invisible spiritual world or the unseen spiritual realm. Now, most people have very little understanding of the spiritual world, but how many of you know there is a spiritual world out there, right? And, uh, you know, it's the heavenly realm that can't be seen with the natural eye and it can't be heard with the natural ear. And, and the heavenly realm can't be touched with the natural hands or, or, or touch. And for some people, that's where they fall down with Christianity because they want to touch it. They want to they say, if I can't touch it, then I can't believe it. Well, when the kingdom of God, there is a spiritual world out there. And we got to become familiar with it. The, the heavenly realm is as real as the earthly realm. And once we begin to realize that, then it helps us. And the Bible has a lot to say about heavenly places and uh, or the unseen spiritual realm. It has a lot to say about it. And as you read the Bible, you'll see that, that as you read the Bible, you don't stay in the natural realm. You go into the spiritual realm. And that's really important for us to know. So this morning, we're going to talk about what we, what we need to know about the Lord and heavenly places. And we're going to talk about what we need to know about man and heavenly places. And we're going to talk about what we need to know as believers and heavenly places. Amen? So let's begin now talking about what we need to know about God and heavenly places. And, the, and, and first we need to know that God is a spiritual being and exists in the spiritual realm. How many of you know that? Say, well, I knew that already. Well, let's, let's just remind ourselves. As Peter said, let's stir ourselves up by way of reminder. And so John 4.24 says, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him. How, saints? You see, we need to know that God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him. How? In spirit and in truth. And so God is spirit. That means that God the Father is an invisible God that exists in the invisible world. He's an invisible God. And he exists both in the invisible and the visible world, right? You can't get away from him. 
But God is spirit. He's an invisible God living outside the bounds of time, space, and matter. He's not normal. He's abnormal. He's not natural. He is supernatural. Amen? So you can't put God in your little box. Okay, let me rephrase that. I can't put God in my little box. He'll blow the box up. Amen? How many of you know that? You can't put him in your little theological box. He'll mess you all up. Colossians 1.15 says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He exists before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. To say that God is spirit means that he exists in the realm of heavenly places. And you can't see him with your physical, natural eyes. Does that make sense? And so those that have to have scientific evidence to believe anything, this cuts right at the, at the root of that. Because God is an invisible God, and he, you can't see him with your physical eyes. Remember when Moses was called on by God to deliver the children of Israel? And of course, Moses wasn't real confident about that. It's like, man, this is a lot of people. And who am I that they're going to listen to me? And so he says to the Lord, basically, Lord, would you just show me that? Just show up so I know that you're with me. And, and just let your presence be here, Lord. And so, you know, uh, Moses was fearful and wanted to, to, for God to be there. He wanted to see him, touch him, feel him. He wanted God to be there. And in Exodus chapter 33, in verse 19, the Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. But verse 20 says, but you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. Now, here's why you can't see the Lord, because you can't handle it. It'll kill you. That's basically what he's telling. He said, nobody can see me and live. How many of you know his glory, his splendor, his purity, his awesomeness would just cause your body to just keel over, amen? And that's what he says there. There is a spiritual veil keeping us from the full disclosure of God's divine glory. And so what we need to know is this. God is a spiritual being that exists in the spiritual realm that can only be seen through the spiritual eyes of faith. Now, that's important. We're talking about heavenly places. We got to understand that to experience God, you can't see him with the natural eyes. You got to be able to see him through your eyes of faith. Faith is believing what you can't see with your natural eyes. And that's what, that's what has to take place. Amen? But the second reality is God resides in heavenly places. In Isaiah 63, 15, it says, Lord, look down from heaven. Look from your holy, glorious home and see us. Look down from your glorious home and see us. The heavens referred to here is not the natural realm of the atmosphere like the, the blue skies and, you know, the vapor clouds and the expanse of the earth. It's talking about something different. The heavens referred to here is the spiritual place 
that encompasses all celestial or spiritual things. It's that, it's that throne room of God. And according to Scripture, heaven is the glorious home of the Lord. The abode or the dwelling place of God. How many of you know God has a home? And it's the heavens, amen? And the Scripture talks about the earth is his footstool. You know, he just kicks up his heel on the, the whole earth is his footstool. How many of you know he's a big God? He's a big God, and we can't house him in a church, right? You can't put him in the, you can't put him in the church, right? He's everywhere, right? And so God sits in heavenly places on a special throne, and it's surrounded by these celestial beings, these angelic beings. In the book of Revelation, you know, remember John records a spiritual vision that was shown to him. He was on the Isle of Patmos. He got, he got uh, exiled there for preaching the gospel. They tried to silence him, tried to shut him down, tried to, you know, just do away with his message. But something happened to John. He, got, he, he, was, he had an experience with God. He had a glimpse of heavenly places or the heavenly realm. And the Bible says in Revelations 1.10, it says that it was the Lord's day. And I was worshiping in the what? In the spirit. And suddenly I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. And it said, write in a book everything you see and send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And what was, he, what was happening there? I, you know, as I see it, John, he, he couldn't go to church, so he was having his own church service, and he was just in the spirit on the Lord's Day. I think he was probably worshiping, like Hillsong or something like that, right? He was just worshiping God. He was just, just in the presence of God, and the spirit of God was there, and all of a sudden, he just got caught up in the spirit, and the Lord started showing him things in a voice. He heard a voice, and, 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 the, and the voice said, write down what I'm about to show you. And all of a sudden, John couldn't write fast enough. The Lord just started downloading all these visions and things that even today, all the greatest and smartest theologians, they scratch their head and said, I'm not sure exactly what all this is, but how many of you know the Spirit of God knew exactly what was going on? Amen? And so John writes what he sees while he's in the Spirit pertaining to the Lord's heavenly dwelling place. And he says this in Revelation 7:11. And all the angels were standing around the throne, around the elders and the four living beings. And they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground, and they worshiped God. And they sang, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever. Amen. It was the throne room of God. It was the dwelling place of God. And the, this throne, John saw, that God was sitting on represents the, the seat of supreme power and authority over all creation. How many of you know he is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords? Amen? And so the God that we serve, he's a spiritual being and he is a big God. That's who you and I serve. Listen, we're not worshiping a little tiny, a tiny God up here. No, we're serving a God that's in the, in the cosmos. He's in the galaxies. He's in the heavens. He is a big God. Amen? And we can't fit him in this little building called the church. Amen. And so we got to get our minds wrapped around that. So why am I giving you all this information about God and his relation to heavenly places? Here's the reason. 
We need to be clear that God exists and operates in the unseen spiritual sphere. That's how he, that's how he operates, called heavenly places. And if we want to know the Lord or grow with the Lord, listen, if we are interested in getting closer to Jesus, we must become knowledgeable and comfortable with the invisible spiritual sphere of heavenly places. Does that make sense? You see, everything we learn throughout our our years is in the natural realm. But when it comes to serving God, it's the spiritual realm. I've never seen God up here as long as I've been here. But I tell you, I have seen him in the eyes of my heart. I have seen him in the eyes of my faith. Are you with me? Because he don't dwell here in the natural. He dwells in the spirit. Amen. And so we got to get our brain wrapped around that. Amen. God is spirit. and They who worship him must worship him. How saints? In spirit and in truth. Spirit and in truth. That's why it, it doesn't really, you know, it's not how many times you, you kneel down here at church or how many times you say, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Because it's not about the natural, it is about the spiritual. So now let's talk about man's relationship to heavenly places. Man and his relationship to heavenly places. God has created humans to be spiritual beings, Right? When the Bible says that God created us in his image, it doesn't mean we all look like God in the natural. It means like we look more like him in the spiritual. In Genesis 2, 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. How many of you are familiar with that verse? How many of you knew that verse already before I read it? I mean, can we, can we just talk just for a little bit? I mean, imagine this, right? That we go out in the yard and just grab us a couple of handfuls of dirt and we just blow into it and all of a sudden out comes Johnny. Is that what the Bible is telling us right here? That God just grabbed a couple of handfuls of dirt and he breathed on it and man became a living being? Is that what we're reading right here? As you can see from the beginning of creation, mankind became a spiritual being. God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living being. We're spiritual beings. It's God's spiritual breath that caused man to become a living being. Zechariah 12.1 says, The Lord formed the spirit of man within him. The spirit, the spiritual part of man is the most important part of our existence. We think it's the body, but it's not. Because when God breathed into someone's life, life begins. And when, and when God's breath leaves somebody's body, they don't exist anymore. They die, right? In fact, we see that when Jesus was dying on the cross when he was getting crucified. The Bible says in Luke 23, 46, and Jesus crying out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands I commit my... And having said this, he breathed his last. How many of you know you can't live without the breath of God? James 2, 26 says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. 
The body without the spirit is dead, right? So we're, we're, we're spiritual beings. And so God created us as tripart beings or triune beings, spirit, soul, and body. And it's really the spirit man that is specifically more like the image of God. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. So Paul says, may, your, um, may, may their spirit, and the word there is pneuma, or breath, and soul, which is psyche, and body, which is soma, be sanctified or kept blameless until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul is talking about, he's, he's describing three parts of our being. And it's just like, you know, uh, if, if, you know, if I could just step out of myself and there was another Todd and I stepped out again and there was three Todds, that would be pretty cool, huh? <laughs> just thinking, you know, but, but how many of you know, you know, like, you know, I got this, you've probably seen this before, but it, it kind of helps you to understand it. You know, we have a body, this is physical thing. But inside my body, that's not my flesh, and I have like feelings. I get fearful. I get anxious. I have peace. I get sad, right? The, the soul is the, the mind, the will, and the emotions. And then there's the spirit inside of me. So I'm a tripart being, and so are you. Isn't that right? And so, you know, that's what the, that's what, and so Paul says here, he said, I'm praying that all three of you get sanctified. All three of you get healed and delivered and set free. I pray that your body, soul, and spirit line up with the plans and the purposes of God. Now, why is that so important? Because, listen, man's spirit is his receiver or his contact point with God. And so what I mean by that is the spiritual part of man is the part of man that has the ability to communicate with God. It's like we got the same hardware on board, if you would. Are y'all tracking with me? And so when God, listen, when God wants to, to communicate by his spirit, what does he do? He communicates to our spirit. And when God wants to transform your life, he touches your spirit, man. Amen? And when God wants you to experience his love, he conveys his love through your spirit, man. It's the spiritual arena, the heavenly realm that God connects and communicates with us. Does that make sense to you? And so we have to understand that. And this is what Romans 8, 16 says. It's the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You know, people, I used to, I used to just think people were crazy when they said, I'm, I'm saved, I'm a Christian, I'm going to heaven when I, I die. And I would say, how do you know? Who are you to think that you could just know that? And I said, well, I just know. And I couldn't understand that. But then whenever I became a Christian and his spirit witnessed with my spirit that I was a child of God, you couldn't talk me out of my Christianity. Come on, are y'all with me out there? His spirit testified with my spirit and my spirit knew that my sins were forgiven and I was a child of the living God. Anybody else has had that experience out there? I mean, there's no doubting about it. Amen. And so why I'm giving you all this information about man and his relationship to heavenly places. This is why. We need to understand that God connects and communicates with us in the unseen spiritual sphere or realm of his spirit. That's how he communicates. 
And I believe if we want to receive more from the Lord, we must become knowledgeable and be willing to receive the unseen realm. Amen? Does that? I don't know if I'm conveying what I'm trying to convey today. And here's the picture that I get. That some people are interested in serving God, but they just want to stay in the natural realm. And they just think I can just get information and I can just get, I can just get more information and I could just show up at a building and God's going to be there. It's at his house and somehow my life is going to be transformed. And I say no a thousand times. God is spirit and they that worship him must worship him in, not in a church building, but in, amen. You got to connect with God. Before you can get transformed, you got to connect with God, saints. You got to have a connection with the living God. That's whenever your life begins to get transformed. Amen? God is spirit. And so another way to look at this verse is that God is spirit. And then he works through and by his spirit. And if we want to know the Lord or receive greater blessings from the Lord, we must be open to and willing to receive from his spirit. See, that's why I can be standing on the side of Ambassador Caffrey and thousands of cars flying by. And I can just get, I can just close my eyes and I can experience God. I don't need to be in a church building to experience God. That's why you can get in a spaceship and go to the moon and experience God. That's why you can get in a submarine and go into the depths of the sea and experience God. That's why you can go in an all rig many, many miles away in the Gulf of Mexico where there's just nothing but a bunch of iron and a bunch of burly guys that are not quite all the way sanctified yet. And you can experience God. Amen. Because he's a spirit. He's a spiritual being. And God put in us the ability to connect with him. He created us to fellowship with him. That's why we made. That's why he built us the way that he did. So that we can just connect with a living God. Amen. And the more we connect with a living God, the less we need outside sources to fill or to fulfill our life or to make our life meaningful. All we need to do is be rightly connected with God and we can put a smile on our face and we can rejoice in the king of kings and the lord of lords who created us amen yes amen oh yes now let's conclude our time together talking about what we need to know as believers in heavenly places as we continue in this series we're going to talk about heavenly place subject matter we're going to be talking about spiritual realities according to the Bible, such as heaven. How many of you know that's a spiritual reality? And hell. How many of you want to know when, I, when we preach on that so you can miss that one? <laughs> We're going to talk about angels. How many of you know they're angels? And how many of you know they're demons? These are spiritual realities in heavenly places that the scripture speaks about over and over again. If you read your Bible, you'll see all of this. You can't read your Bible without recognizing this. But these spiritual realities, they cannot be received nor understood with the natural mind. They can only be received or understood by opening up 
your heart and your spirit to God's spirit. The scripture explains to us that as believers, we've received tremendous blessings that are spiritually connected to heavenly places. Ephesians 1 and 3, here's another place in Ephesians where the word heavenly places or heavenly realm is mentioned in verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places or realms because we are united with Christ. Now, according to this verse, as believers, we've been blessed with all kinds of spiritual blessings that are where? In heaven, in the heavenly realm. They're in the heavenly realm. That's what the scripture says. These are heavenly place spiritual blessings. Amen. And so such blessings such as you read the rest of the chapter, it begins, Paul begins to unload what these blessings are. They're not like, you know, uh, rolls of coins or $100 bills, or, you know, a house, or a boat, or a car. It's, it's not natural blessings. It's spiritual blessings. And Paul begins to unfold these. He says you can, you'll feel loved and accepted and, uh, and feel like you're adopted in the family of God, and you get to experience his glorious grace, his kindness, and his freedom. He showers us with wisdom and understanding about spiritual things hidden from the lost. And because we're reunited with Christ, we have become recipients of a glorious inheritance from God. These are just some of the many spiritual blessings that he begins to unfold there even in chapter one. These are all spiritual realities and blessings, Paul says, are in the heavenly realm. See, how do I know that I'm loved by God? It's a spiritual blessing, right? It's a spiritual blessing. I can't go to Walmart and get that. And by the way, you can't get in a relationship and get that either. It's got to come from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. And so, but again, these spiritual realities, they cannot be received or understood by the natural mind. They can only be received or understood by being spiritually awakened to God's spirit. The heavenly blessings and provisions can only be received by connecting with God. How? In spirit. Because God is, and they that worship him must worship him in. And those, the Father seeks, the Bible says. The Father seeks those. Now, 1 Corinthians 2, 13 says this. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. Verse 14, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Now, whenever I read that, I think about whenever I was lost and I would run into a Christian, I would laugh. I'd say, man, they, oh, they saw the light, dude. I mean, I just thought it was hilarious. Like, why are you wasting your life like being holy, going to church, spending hours at church, going three or four times a week? Don't you have something better to do with your life? I didn't have a clue. 
because I couldn't understand it until the veil was taken off my eyes, right? And so you talk about God and you talk about the spirit and you talk about the life of, of, of walking with Jesus and some people look at you like, the, like a cow at a new gate. Like they're confused. They don't know what you're talking about. And it's because they really can't. It's because they really can't. Paul says people who aren't spiritual, and, and, and by that, he's talking about those that aren't Christians can't receive truths from God's spirit. And he says only those who are spiritual, who are rightly connected with God, can understand what the spirit means. Does that make sense? So as we talk about heavenly places, we got to first talk about, wait, wait a minute, we're serving a God that abides and he, he hangs out in the spirit realm and he's given us what we need. He's placed the spirit inside of us, unlike animals that we can connect with God. Amen. We're made in his likeness. And the only way we can just understand all these kingdom realities is we got to be on board with God. And so if I want to receive more from the Lord, I need to be more receptive for the Holy Spirit's work in my life. I think that's the bottom line. You all agree with that? How many of you just say, I don't agree with that. I can read more. Yes, you can read more. But it's the Spirit of God that awakens your mind to understand what you're reading. Because listen, I've met people that know more of the Bible and can quote more verses than I will ever know in my lifetime. But there's not a lot of fruit of the Spirit in their life. Amen? Now listen what this verse says. It's a very short verse, but it's a powerful verse. In 1 Thessalonians 5.19, it says, Do not quench the Spirit. End of story. Do not quench the Spirit. Why? Why do not quench the Spirit? Because God is, and they who worship Him must worship Him in... So if you quench the spirit, how can you move on with God? Because God is spirit. Does that make sense? And so some of us are beating our head against the wall trying to get closer to God, but we're closed off to the work of the spirit. But if we want to get closer to God and draw closer to him and know him better, we got to open our heart to the work of the spirit. Amen? Because quenching the spirit means to extinguish, smother, suppress, douse, put out, snuff out, or to, or to quell. The figurative picture here is dousing a fire by throwing water on it. So he's saying, listen, don't throw a wet towel on the Spirit's work in your life. Don't throw water on the fire of God's Spirit trying to work in your life. Amen? And we can do that. So let me encourage you. Don't ignore the Holy Spirit's leading in your life. As a child of God, the Spirit of God wants to work in your life. Don't ignore that. Amen? Don't just give, you know, give it the hand. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Because it's like the Holy Spirit is just saying, hey, I want to help you. I want to I help you get further. And we don't pay attention. So we need, to, we need to not ignore the Holy Spirit's leading. Does that make sense? Don't disregard his voice. Because part of the work of the Spirit is he'll speak into your, in your spirit, man, and say, you need to do this. You need to quit doing that. You need to go there. You need to stop going there. He, he will speak to you. He will convict you and say, no. 
now, that was an ugly attitude right now. That, that, that's not the way you should be behaving. Come on. Is the Holy Spirit working like that in your life? Is he tapping you on the shoulder and say, excuse me, and you call yourself a Christian, or am I the only one? How many of you, the Holy Spirit whispers in your ear and says, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And so don't close your ears when he's speaking to you. Don't pass up an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to use you. He might move on your heart to go call somebody, to go reach out to somebody, to, to give a gift to somebody. And, and, and to you, it's not a big deal. But if it's God, you might change somebody's life. You might change somebody's eternity. Come on, are y'all out there? Are y'all with me out there? And so listen, we don't pass up an opportunity to do what the Spirit says. In other words, don't close off your heart to the Holy Spirit because of fear or because of obstinacy or rebellion. Open up your heart to the Holy Spirit. Amen? So instead of Cutting him off or quenching him. Instead, say, yes, Lord. I'll do whatever you say. Yes, Lord. And so listen, you know, I don't know if you have this trouble. But for years, I knew about God. But I would serve him just kind of like all calisthenic-like. Like all just religious stuff. You know what I mean? And whenever I thought about God, he was somewhere way up there. And I'm not sure whether my voice was loud enough to get to him. You know what I mean? Like I'd pray and I'd say, man, I hope that prayer got through. I hope the line wasn't busy. You know what I'm saying? But listen, whenever you get rightly connected with the Lord, the Lord is not this God in the, lost in the cosmos. He's a present God. He's a right now God. He's a, he's a right here God. You say, listen, you don't have to listen to what I'm telling you. You just get in the Bible and listen to the Holy Spirit. Because the same Holy Spirit that is leading me to say to you what I'm saying right now is the same Holy Spirit that will get you to the pages and to the words that you need to hear to get you from where you are to where you need to be. Because he loves you and he's not going to leave you like an orphan. He's going to come to you and he's going to comfort you. He's going to teach you. He's going to direct you. And he's going to get you where you need to be so you can fulfill the destiny that God has already ordained for you to fulfill in your lifetime. Just say, yes, Lord. Lord, whatever you say, wherever you want me to go, and whatever you do, I might not like it. I might not be excited about it. I might not. I might kick a little bit about it. But Lord, at the end of the day, I just want to do what you want me to do, and I don't care whether Joe Blow likes it or not. I'm gonna do what your Spirit is leading me to do. Are y'all out there, somebody? Are y'all with me out there, somebody? Come on, are y'all hearing what I'm saying today? And listen, it's the Spirit that brings you into heavenly places and unlocks. The the spiritual blessings of the Lord. Amen. Where you can begin to experience his peace, his joy, his truth, his wisdom. Amen. Wow. Isn't that great? So first of all, if we want to receive more from the Lord, those of us that are believers, we just need to be more open to the Holy Spirit. And so I think we need to practice, like we need to get used of it. That's why it's important 
that you don't just connect with God when you come to church on Sunday morning. You need to find you a chair somewhere, your back patio, wherever you like to be, where you can get by yourself and shut off the cell phone and turn the radio off, turn the TV off, and just stop and connect that we are the branches and he is the vine. Spend time just listening, just being quiet in the presence of God. And I tell you, the more we do that, I believe that the more that those spiritual blessings that are stored up in heavenly places are going to begin to be realized in our daily life. Amen? Are y'all with me? But now here's the second thing. If you're not a Christian, you've got to become born again by the Spirit. That, that, you know, that's the bottom line. See, that's why we say, that's why every time we're preaching, you know, we just say, listen, I want to give you a chance. If you've never given your life to Christ and ask the Lord to forgive your sins, we want to give you a chance to do that. See, what we realize is that just, you know, you coming to church does not automatically make you a Christian or give you the, the, get you in tune with the Spirit of God so God can work in your life the way He's supposed to. You know, you remember the concentric circles and the, and the, the center, the Spirit? You know, the Bible says that when Adam sinned in the garden, you know, God's spirit is in us, but we're spiritually dead. And we need to be spiritually reborn. We need to have that part of our being born again. We need to have two births, a natural birth and a spiritual birth. And you see, Satan will let you go to church as long as you want, as long as you don't get saved. As long as you don't have a spiritual rebirth. Because if you're spiritually reborn, then, then his work is done in your life. It's not that he can't wreak havoc or he, you're no longer his. Amen? And the Bible says that through Adam, the first Adam, sin came into the world. But the second Adam, he, Jesus came to undo what Adam did. Amen? And so he wants to awaken. And that's what happened to Nicodemus. Remember the religious leader. And he's seeing all the stuff that God's doing and, or Jesus is doing. And he's like, his question is, wow, Jesus. And in fact, he comes at night secretly like, how do you get that? How do you know that God loves you? How do you know that? How, how, how can you pray for people and they get healed? How can you do and have the wisdom you have? How, what is the secret? I'm, I'm a religious leader. I've been trying at this. And Jesus says to him in John 3, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. And after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs and evidence are evidence that God is with you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can a man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, I show you no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of the water, of water and the spirit. There's the two births. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. 
So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. It words, it's like, man, I wish I could tell you better, but I don't know how. You just got to be born again. You got to just be willing to admit that you're, you've sinned and that you need forgiveness of your sins and ask Jesus to forgive you. And whenever you do that, the Bible says that you can be saved. You can become a Christian. Would you do me a favor and just stand right there where you are? And as we get ready to conclude, can just all of us in this room just close our eyes for just a moment and just take a, just take a moment, just take a deep breath just to release everything and just invite the Holy Spirit. Just say, Holy Spirit, you're my comforter. You're my teacher. I welcome you. I invite you. I don't want to stiff arm you. I want to, I want to work with you. I want to cooperate with you. Because I need you today. Can you just tell him that? Just close your eyes right there. Father, I pray that you would just fill this room with your presence. Holy Spirit, you're the administrator of God's kingdom. You're the administrator of all God's heavenly gifts. And I pray that you just come. And you just release your spirit. Release your presence in this room. Come on, just let let the spirit of God just affirm you. Let him just confirm that you're his child and that he loves you. But maybe you're here today and you say, Todd, I I don't know that I've ever asked Jesus to forgive me. I don't know that I've ever been reborn, had that born-again experience. But I I understand that I need that and I, I want that to happen in my life. Would you pray for me? If that's you, would you just signify that by just lifting your hand so I can see your hand? And I'm just going to pray a general prayer for all of you that are raising your hand. Just raise your hand and just wave it at me so I can see it. There you go. Just anybody else. There you go. Anybody else, just raise your hand. And let's, let's just pray together. Just, let's just pray and say, Jesus, I'm sorry for all my sins. I repent. I ask you to forgive me. I want to be a Christian. I want to be born again. Would you cleanse my heart? Would you forgive my sins? And would you come into my life and fill me with your presence? I want to be reborn. Thank you, Jesus, for accepting me into your family. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Now listen, those of you that that prayed that prayer, we're not going to embarrass you or anything like that, but if you prayed that prayer, there's a card in your pew. One's a welcome card, and and just use the other one. Just fill that out and either go to the information center in the the lobby and hand that to them, and we'll give you a Bible if you need one. We'll just give you a little bit of literature just to help you get started, or you could just come up. The pastors and the altar workers will be here to pray for anybody that needs prayer, but we'll also just... Uh, just do the same thing here that they'll do there. Amen. How many of you are glad to be seated with Christ in heavenly places today? Aren't you glad? Isn't that a great blessing that we become recipients of all that God has? Amen. God is spirit. Father, I pray that your grace and your hand of blessing and mercy and provision would be released over the people of God today. It's in the mighty and the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless you.